0: You called my
1: you we're so excited that you're here worshiping with us this morning and we're gonna get started with our big three announcements so our first announcement is that we are getting into a busy time of year please note that May 31st and June 7th there will be no kids ministry activities youth activities or journey groups held on those days and speaking of a busy time of year, parents, there is still time to sign your child up for VBS. VBS is in two weeks, starting June 5th. The theme is Following Jesus Changes the Game of Life, and you don't wanna miss it. Simply text the keyword VBSKIDS, VBSKIDS to 910-424-1298. And hey guys, we've got a couple of announcements for you, so listen up. Father's Day weekend, Saturday, June 17th at 8 a.m. You're gonna have a breakfast here. So text the word bacon. Nothing says Father's Day like bacon. So text the word bacon to 910-424-1298. And hey guys, if you haven't already done so, the registration for this year's annual men's retreat is already open. It's September 29th through October 1st. If you will text the word retreat, to our number 910-424-1298 and you're going to be getting more information about that from pastor brad here in just a few minutes and hey if you missed last week's sermon or if you want to take sermon notes today you want to get involved and sign up for events happening here at the church or just simply give online there's one simple way you can do that and it's downloading the southview baptist church app either from google play or itunes so download it today And if you'd like to give to Southview, there's two ways you can do that. One, through the app that I mentioned or in the giving boxes as you exit the sanctuary. And if today is your first Sunday at Southview or you've been hanging out a while, but you have not been connected yet to this body, the very first step you need to take is to text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. And I wanna leave you with just one last thought. Sunday mornings are such a gift. We get to come together as a body, something that the rest of the world doesn't have, and we get to glorify God, the God of this universe. So let's just worship him this morning, for he is worthy.
2: Oh, well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right, glad to have you with us today. We're going to begin our time together worshiping the Lord with baptism. We had four people that we baptized during the nine thirty service today. We've got uh, this morning here at eleven. We've got one more. Kendall, come on down. This is Kendall Keck. She is coming today, professing faith in Christ and showing that through baptism so I encourage you watch Kendall's testimony
3: so ever since I can remember I've always lived in a um, Christian household my parents went to church my grandparents went to church um, at the age of eight or nine I got saved um, and then as I grew up I kind of didn't follow God the way I wanted to follow God or the way I thought God should be followed um, so then I kind of like fell back and didn't do a lot of good things in my life that I know I shouldn't have been doing. And then at the age of 19, uh, doctors told me that I would never be able to be a mother and that devastated me and it made me really angry with God and it made me ask a lot like why me, why did I have to have fertility struggles? when I was growing up as a kid, I always was in and out of the hospital um, just with mental health issues, um, and and then I kept asking God, you know, why did I have to have all these, all these struggles, and, you know, why? I kept asking God, why me? And when I spoke with someone yesterday, they put a different perspective on it, and they were like, well, why not me? Why not you? You know, because I've had all these struggles, and it made me trust God more. It made me believe that He can do these miraculous things. He can move mountains. Um, You know, those doctors told me I would never be able to have children. God said, I'll show you what I can do. And He gave me two beautiful babies. I can't thank God enough for giving my two babies. Children, you know, he saved me. I stand here today and rededicate my life in front of my friends and my family and loved ones and brothers and sisters of God. And I proclaim that God is good and he will make a way.
4: Amen.
2: Well, Kendall, having heard your testimony and your faith in Christ, it's my privilege now to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pinch your nose, grab your nose, ready? One, two, three. All right, amen. All right, hang on, let me pray for you real quick. Let me pray for you real quick. Lord, just thank you for Kendall. Thank you, Lord, for her life. Thank you for what you've done in her and brought her through and how you are doing just calling her to a deeper walk with you. We pray, Jesus, that you'll allow her to bear much fruit as her roots grow deep for your glory. We pray this in
5: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning, church. In the first service, a young man by the name of Gavin, Gavin Honeycutt, was baptized. And in his testimony, he said, I consider consider Christ my one-way ticket to heaven. And I love that. How true and how simple is that? that Christ is the only way to be reconciled with God the Father. And praise God for his mercies that he has made a way for us through faith in Christ, through the blood of Christ. So as we stand and as we sing together, I want to celebrate these truths. I want to celebrate our brothers and sisters and their public declaration of their faith in Christ. Baptism didn't save anybody today, but in full obedience to scriptural commands, stand up and they say, I belong to Jesus. So stand with us and let's sing and let's celebrate these truths. In Christ alone we find ourselves hidden in Christ. Yes, Lord. You to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But listen to this even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved there is one way to be made complete today and that is in the Christ our Lord our Savior if you are here and if you've never experienced the saving grace of Jesus if you have never bowed your life down Laid everything on the cross. I implore you to do it today. And if you're a believer and you've been walking with him for decades or weeks or months, I say, keep running towards Christ. In the spirit that has been placed in you, you have all the spiritual blessings hope, mercy, grace, forgiveness, no condemnation. He calls us sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. He says, be holy as I am holy. He has set you apart for a purpose. And the only right response is to simply thank him for his sacrifice. Thank him for the blood on the cross. And be made new in Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for these times, for these these timeless truths that never change. That you have made a way. The one-way ticket to heaven is Christ Jesus. And we sing and we pray and we learn and we fellowship. All in the name for the glory of Christ, our risen and our holy and perfect King. We sing to you these songs.
6: the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owed broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glory. My tomb of sin, you were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again, and now death has no sting, and life has no end.
4: I want to come talk to you today about the men's retreat that's coming up in the last weekend of September this year. just want to share my experience from last year. Um, we had a theme of one thing from Psalms 27.4, and uh, just uh, to give you what it meant to me, it was just kind of a primer for me to really get in touch with God and the one thing that He wants uh, us as men to do, and that is to follow Him. Uh, follow his direction for our lives uh, in leading our family, le- leading at work, leading at church. And it was just uh, the the messages we had last year, the, uh, the small groups, the fellowship was just outstanding.
5: So last year, going to the men's retreat came at a great time. My best friend had recently moved up to Maryland to be stationed up there, and I was just kind of missing having godly fellowship and community, and I got to experience that again at the men's retreat. In Psalm 133, the psalmist speaks about beholding how good it is when brothers dwell in unity, and the men's retreat last year was just an active illustration of that. So I'm looking forward to that again, and beyond that, looking forward to seeing what God's going to do through a strong bond of brotherhood
0: within the men here at Southview.
7: So uh, one of the things I took from last year's men's retreat was uh, it actually started at the planning process. Um, The group of men that came together, uh, we were planning for 100, hoping for 30 guys from Southview. Um, And through prayer, we actually seen how great God was, and he multiplied that 30 by 3 and sent 100 men from Southview down there. Um, And then once we got there, being able to see the different generations of Christians um, interacting um, as men, as Christian men uh, for that retreat was absolutely phenomenal. Um, And on top of that, hearing different men get up, um, whether in the small groups or in the worship service, and listening to people's testimonies, and seeing that The struggles that I was going through in my life or have went through in my life are not just my own. Um, Guys, Christian men um, have the exact same struggles, and that is what I took out of last year's Men's Retreat. My biggest takeaway was seeing and experiencing a large group of
2: men that had the same purpose and same goals and same desires of wanting to lead our families, to grow as men, and to grow closer to one another and build a community
7: and a church that has the same purpose and that's to serve our Lord and glorify Him. Fast forward to this year's Men's Retreat, what I really, really am hoping for is that not only do the the hundred men that uh, went last year um, sign back up and go, um, but that we multiply those numbers um, by two or three um, and fill both buildings that we have and then seeing the depth of relationships that are going to be formed from last year's and this year's retreat. Uh, not only inside the four walls of Southview, but hoping to expand those outside into the Hope Mills and Fayetteville area. Um, I'm looking forward to this year's trip, this, uh, the last week
4: in September. Uh, And I'm looking for it to extend what started last year. Just looking to to continue the growth that uh, I've gotten from that one weekend at the beach with 100 God-loving men. And um, guys, if you haven't signed up yet, I would encourage you to go ahead and do so. I need to get this locked down so we can get everything planned. Uh, Looking forward to a great weekend in the Lord uh, in September. Um, So sign up and let's go.
2: All right. Well, I am very, very excited about this year's men's retreat. Again, it's September 29th through October 1st. Uh, So here's the thing. So there's one thing I know about our church. All right. We are a late signing up crew. I mean, if the deadline is 12 o'clock to sign up, y'all are gonna sign up around 11.59, Okay. Uh, So Guys, we are in the last couple of weeks of signing up, and I encourage you to sign up. So this year, our focus is going to be on um, how do you actually grow as a Christian? Because I think for men, we know that, that we're to grow in Christ, and we desire to do that. But a lot of us just don't know how. Maybe we've never been taught how. We don't understand how it all works and what this means. So what we're going to do is we're going to come together in a weekend, and we're going to give you the big 30,000-foot view understanding of how it is you actually grow as a Christian we're going to try hard to put some tools in your toolbox so that you go home and you are empowered now to really genuinely grow in your walk with Christ so that this time next year you you are a different man in Jesus which is going to empower you to be a different kind of husband and a different kind of dad and a different kind of worker I mean all these things so I want to encourage you men Sign up, all right. Text the word retreat to our number nine one zero four two four one two nine eight. Sign up for this. Um, if you have friends who are part of another church, bring them too. In fact, we have another church that's committing to bring their entire men's ministry as well. We got a whole another church that's joining us also, so they don't have to be a part of our church. Bring anyone and everyone. A chance just for us to come together. Um, spend time with one another encourage one another in the lord and uh, again hopefully come away um, much better equipped to grow as a follower of christ so i'm very excited um, again for adult men and also teenage boys high school middle school boys you're welcome to come as well Uh, you can sign up by texting the word retreat do that immediately because i'm just going to stand up here for the next three weeks and yell at you to do that so please do it, all right. Text retreat, get signed up, and let's uh, let's get going. All right. If you have a Bible, let's find Matthew chapter seven again. If you're a guest with us today, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so good to have you today, worshiping the Lord with us. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter seven. We're going to pick it up in verse thirteen here in just a moment. <clears throat> so, for the next four weeks, we're going to be in a series. We're going to call the series "In or Out." All right, Um, And the idea behind the series is this, we want every single person in this room, every person in this room, to honestly look yourself in the mirror and ask, am I actually a Christian? Am I actually a Christian? Am I in or am I out? I know when you prayed the sinner's prayer when you were eight years old, you were told, don't ever doubt this ever again. Problem with that's going to be the Bible. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Here's what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The Bible says you should take time to actually examine your heart and your life. Test yourself to see if you're truly, genuinely in the faith. And that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. We're going to take some time and ask every one of us in this room, guy with the mic included, to search our hearts and to search our lives. To examine, test, those words examine and test are really important. They they, they bring to mind this idea of picking apart and analyzing and cutting into, like dissecting a frog in biology class, right? You're really diving into your own life and heart. The problem that we're going to find, and we're going to see this as we go through the scriptures over the next few weeks, the problem is this. Most of us skim on the surface level and look for the basic absolute lowest bar possible to assume that we're in the faith the bible says don't do that the bible says test yourself examine yourself search it out to see if you're really genuinely in the faith see what the bible says a christian is and then take a hard look at your life and see if you line up with that do you line up with what the bible defines as actually a christian so matthew chapter 7 Verse 13. So we're going to go look for the next few weeks. We're going to look at Matthew 7, 13 through 27. Okay, uh, This is the end of a section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is teaching on what it looks like to be in the kingdom. How do you live as someone in the kingdom, a citizen of the kingdom of God? And then he ends that sermon with, and here are the people who actually get in the kingdom. So we're going to go through that over the next few weeks and ask ourselves the question again. Am I in or am I out? So what I want to do today is we're going to read the entire passage, all right? Matthew 17, 13 through 27. We're going to read the whole thing so you can see everything that's being said here, and then we'll go back and kind of pick it apart over the next few weeks and get it all bit by bit. So let's start in Matthew 7, and let's start in verse 13, and let's read this passage together, all right? Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So there are a couple of things I want you to see about the whole passage, okay? That kind of drive everything we'll see over the next few weeks. One is this. I want you to notice there are only two options here. You are either saved or you're not saved. You are either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You are in or you are out There is no middle ground. There is no third option here. As you read through that passage, there are two gates, two ways, two destinations, two groups of people, two kinds of trees, two kinds of fruit, two groups at judgment, two kinds of builders building on two kinds of foundations. There's only this or that. There is no middle ground. So I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to be honest about yourself and ask yourself, again, the very pointed question. Don't Don't water this down. Ask yourself straight, am I in or am I out? You do not straddle this fence. You are not kind of a Christian. You're not trying to be a Christian. You are either in or you are out. I had a young man after the first service come up to me and say, thank you. I am not a Christian. But I'm asking questions about Jesus. And today answered a lot. I really appreciate it. You know what I love about that guy's response? He was not trying to pretend to be something he's not. He said, I'm not. But I'm really thinking hard about it, and I got a lot of questions. I said, man, that's awesome. I sat and I prayed with him. I said, man, I'll get together this week, answer any questions that you have. I'm going to be praying for you this week. What you're going to need to do is be honest about it. And if you're really out... Worst thing you can do is trick yourself into thinking that you're in. Which brings me to the second point. Here's what I want you to get. As we go through this passage, here's what I want you to notice. These are all people who think they're Christians. This passage is not about the atheist. This passage is not about the Muslim. This passage is not about the Buddhist. This passage is not about the agnostic. This passage is not about the spiritualist person who doesn't really want to get into the whole organized religion thing. These are people who will live and die thinking they're saved when they're not. To use the modern day vernacular for us right now. These are people who walked an aisle and prayed a prayer and got baptized. And joined a church and joined a small group and helped out with DBS, And they went to hell. Because they weren't actually in. These are the most heartbreaking people on earth. Because they're going to wake up in eternity thinking that they're in. And the whole time they've been out. And that's my question for you. Are you in or are you out? I had another young man come up to me as well. And say, well, it's fantastic, but just can I ask a question? What led you to preach through this right now? Like, why, why, why lead to this? Typically, you go through books of the Bible, but you're, you're taking time to just handpick a selection of Scripture and, 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 and preach through that. Why are you doing that? Such a great question. And here's my answer. I believe this, hands down, is the biggest issue of Southview Baptist Church. I've been your pastor for going on five years. I think our biggest issue is people who regularly attend, but they're actually lost. I think it's our biggest problem. If I could sum it up in one thing, that's it. People who attend here, people who are members here, people who I've been watching their walk with Christ for half a decade at this point. And I'm trying hard. Like I'm giving grace upon grace. And I'm, I'm giving room for all the issues and all the stuff you're working through. And all. And for half a decade I've been looking and I don't see a ton of fruit. And it makes me afraid for your soul. It makes me afraid for your soul. So we take time to say, okay, are you in or are you out? Are you in or are you out? So before we jump into the scriptures for today, I want to take a minute and I want to pray for us, okay? And, and and actually, I'm going to ask you to pray. And I want everyone to pray the same prayer. I'm going to pray it. I want you to pray it. I'm praying for everyone today that you would right now ask the Holy Spirit and say, God, if I'm not actually in the kingdom, show me. If I'm not actually in the kingdom, show me. Again, this scripture is about people who have deceived themselves into thinking they're Christians when they aren't. This passage is about people who have tried their entire life to do the right thing, but they're actually lost so I want you to ask the spirits to show you today. Am I actually a Christian? For some of you, the answer to that question is going to come very quickly. There's going to be immediates. The Holy Spirit's going to testify in your heart that you know and love Jesus and you're living for Him, and that's awesome. And, and if that is true for you, my, 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 my encouragement for you is to immediately now start praying for those around you that do not have that kind of assurance. Or they falsely have that kind of assurance. Pray that eyes would be open. Hearts will be open. Scales will drop from eyes. that people will actually see the truth of who they are and what it really means to be in the kingdom. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. And, And again, just take just a quick moment. Ask the Spirit of God today to reveal to you if you actually belong to him or not. And if that answer is yes, praise God. Hey, let's take time and pray for those around us. Lord, our desire today is that you would show us, you'd make it clear, and we would follow you. I pray today that eyes will be open, hearts will be tender, the gospel will be received, and true, genuine salvation will come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, if you've got a Bible, we're going to do today just verses 13 and 14, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Let's just read that together. <clears throat> enter by the narrow gates, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So if I could sum these two verses up in one sentence, if you want to write something down, here it is. If I could sum these two verses up in one sentence, it would be this. You ready? It is easy to go to hell, and it is hard to go to heaven. It is easy to go to hell, but it is actually hard to go to heaven. I know 20 years ago your youth pastor told you it was super easy slip that hand up, repeat this prayer, you are on Team Jesus. The problem is, I think your youth pastor forgot to actually quote Jesus. Jesus says here, it's actually pretty easy to go to hell. And conversely, it's, it's actually kind of hard to go to heaven. So let's pick that apart. I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy and like, I bet he didn't even go to seminary. So, Let's walk through the scriptures and let's let Jesus teach us. So as we see these two verses, we see again these parallels. You have two gates leading to two ways that result in two defi- two destinations and those paths are populated by two very different groups of people, right? So two gates, two ways, two destinations and two groups of people. So let's kind of pick those apart just for a second, okay? So first, the two gates. You've got a narrow gate, and you have a wide gate, right? You see that in the scriptures there. Verse 13 says to enter through the narrow gate. Verse 14 is going to say, conversely, that there is also a... Verse 13 is going to say to enter through the the wide gate. Verse 13 is going to encourage you to enter through that narrow gate. So what's the difference? Narrow gate and wide gate. So, when I think about these two, the narrow gates, think about like a turnstile, right? Like if you go through the airport or at a coliseum for an event, there's this turnstile. So the thing about turnstile is this. One, you can only go through one at a time, right? You can't go through as a group. You can only go through one at a time. Same thing with salvation. Your salvation is about you and not the group that you're a part of. I cringe when I ask people about their salvation and the very first thing they say to me is, oh yeah, I grew up in church. Oh yeah, 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 I grew up in church. Oh yeah, 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 my, 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 my parents are, are strong Christians. I grew up in a strong Christian family. Oh my dad's a pastor. Yeah, absolutely. Are you a Christian? Oh yeah, my granddad's a pastor. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, again, the family we had, and the situation we grew up in, are are they instrumental in us coming to faith in Christ? Absolutely. Uh, The testimony for baptism uh, at 11 and all four at the 9.30 all had some level of Christian home life, went to church, but all of them also said there was a point in their life where they personally, had to trust by faith in Christ, and it wasn't about the family anymore. It's about them personally going through the narrow gate. What about you? What do you think gets you into heaven? If we were to sit down over a cup of coffee this week and I would say, so are you a Christian? Is the very first thing that comes to your mind the lifestyle you grew up in, the family you had, what your parents believe? That's wide gate thinking. Whenever I hear that sort of thing, I have all kinds of red flags flying up in my mind. That's wide gate thinking. That's wide gate kind of speak. Oh, my family this, my family that, and the church I grew up in, and I'm a member of that, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't ask you any of that. I asked you, have you actually gone through the narrow gate? The second thing about that narrow gate, not only you got to go by yourself, you also got to drop all your baggage. Again, you ever try to go through one of those turnstiles while holding your suitcase? It ain't happening, Captain. Right? You are not getting through there. And everyone behind you is just gonna get mad. Right? You can't do it. The only way you go through the narrow gate is if you drop all your baggage and go through. That means this, listen to me. The only way, the only way you're going into the narrow gate is if you drop your sin. Drop your selfishness, drop your pride, drop your ego, drop your hopes and dreams for your life, drop all the opinions and ideas of what you think following God's going to look like, what God can and cannot demand of you. And whenever I tell someone, listen, the only way you can become a Christian is if you stop doing that, whoa, that sounds like legalism. Are you saying i got to be perfect to be a Christian? That, that seems very ungracious. God forgives. Can I just encourage you just for a second? Again, whenever I tell someone, now listen, in order to become a Christian, like, you got to turn from your sin. That means you got to quit doing that. And the immediate response back is all the reasons why it would be okay. Again, red flags are going everywhere, man. The very first sermon Jesus ever preached was, repent, for the kingdom of God is now here. The very first command Jesus ever gave was, if you're going to follow me, you've got to turn from your sin. And if you try to figure out ways to keep walking through this wide gate, holding all your trash, that's going to lead you straight to hell. Listen, let's just be very clear. You have to turn from your sin to become a Christian. Does that mean you're perfect? No. Are you still gonna sin? Yes. But it's about your heart and your attitude. Like, you think you can still walk through that gate and still have it and be okay? You're lost. Like, you go to hell. There's a narrow gate. And the only way you get through that narrow gate is if you drop all your sin and all your baggage and all your junk and all your pride and all your selfishness and all the ideas of what you think your life needs to look like. You drop all of that, you fall on your face and you crawl through that narrow gate with absolute, total, complete submission to Jesus alone. That is the only way you get saved. Again, I know, I know one of the worst things we've done This makes salvation easy for you. And I am sorry. I know you were told, just raise your hand and repeat this prayer because God has a great plan for your life. I know that's how you entered in or you thought you did, but that is wide gate language. No one told you about repentance. No one told you about sin. No one told you about the wrath of God that is coming for you No one told you about any of that. They just said, raise your hand and join Team Jesus. That is a wide gate that gets a lot of numbers and a lot of likes and a lot of Instagram posts and a ton of people in the pool. But you know what it doesn't do? Empty out hell. That kind of proclamation of the gospel actually makes hell fuller. It's a wide gate. You almost feel like you can stumble accidentally into it. It's really easy, man. God's just full of grace. Just, just say yes to Jesus. Yes. You're in. Wide gate. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says there's a narrow, narrow gate. And the only way you go through that is if you drop everything else and crawl on your face to Jesus. Is that the way you got saved? Next, it says these two gates are going to lead to two very different kind of paths, two ways. A hard way and an easy way. So, did you know that being a Christian is actually hard? It's actually hard. There are things Jesus demands of you that on your own, you don't want to do. There are things that Jesus is going to tell you to do that everyone and everything else around you is going to tell you is perfectly fine. There is a hard path. The wide gate leads to an easy path. The narrow gate leads to a hard path. Luke chapter 13 verse 24 says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Listen to that verse again. Strive, work, toil. The idea is, again, this, this, this tiny little opening, and you don't just go, work you through. Right? It's this, you're striving to get in. Strive to enter in the narrow door, work to get into the narrow door. Because there are going to be many people who attempt it, it looks too hard, so they stop. Stop. Strive to enter in. Luke 14 says, anyone who does not pick up their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If you don't pick up your instrument of death where you die to yourself and die to your sin and die to your past and die to this world, and die to your life, you don't die to those things and just live for Jesus, you can't actually follow Jesus. The way is actually Hard. Jesus demands tough discipleship. But conversely, the wide gate leads to an easy way. What does the easy way look like? Well, to be quite honest, the easy way looks like the majority of Christians' lives. If I had to look at the majority of Christians and determine are they on the easy path or the hard path, if you just look very simply at the evidence, most Christian lives look like they're on the easy path. So think about it. If your definition of following Jesus involves attempting to come to church when you don't have something else going on, you can't remember the last time you by yourself opened up the Bible to read it because you just want God. The only time you pray is either before a meal before you tuck your kids in bed, or when the junk hits the fan? Like, that's it? Does that sound like a hard road to discipleship to you? To you? Does that sound like someone who has said, I will deny everything and just chase Jesus with all my heart? Does that sound like that to you? Does it sound like someone who's on the hard path of genuine discipleship? Because I'll be honest, it doesn't to me. Sounds like a lot of easy path living. Sounds like a lot of calling yourself a Christian and checking a box and popping into church, helping with VBS. Okay. But but do you actually walk the hard road of daily submitting and following Jesus? No. No, you don't and here's the thing about the easy path as well at first the easy path seems to like work right your life probably even gets a little better right you start attending church marriage maybe gets a little better because you and your wife are thinking you know we should probably be nice to each other i think that's a good idea let's be nice to each other and so hey the marriage starts to get a little better your kids come to church and learn things about god they probably even act a little better at home You meet friends at church, you start hanging out with them instead of those heathens you used to hang out with, so your life starts to look a little more respectable, right? It's almost you look around and go, hey, we're doing this Christianity thing. When in actuality, you're just skating down an easy path. There's no actual, legitimate, die-to-yourself discipleship happening. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it will ultimately kill you. And my concern is that there are many of us who are skating down an easy path of quasi-Christianity, and it seems right to you, but in the end, it's just going to kill your soul. Are you actually in or are you out? And then we see these gates begin to two very different paths which results in two very different destinations one the narrow path the, the narrow gate and hard path leads to life while conversely the wide gate and easy path leads to destruction listen at first this narrow gate And hard path seems too strict. Even right now, as I'm talking, there are probably some in this room that would think, I can't do that. That's too hard for me. I can't be a Christian. That's too much. It seems like it's too much. But I want to encourage you. As you say, but no, it's worth it. I'm going to strive to enter the narrow gate. I'm going to follow Christ in genuine hard discipleship. As you do that, it opens up now to true and legitimate life. That is the only place you're going to find out true peace, true joy, true love, true hope. Yes, I know right now it feels like that is impossible. I can't do that. You're correct. Jesus would also say, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If you say today, I'm going to enter through that narrow gate and I'm going to walk that hard path because I believe that is the only way that true life is found, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. Conversely though, that wide gate that everyone just kind of falls into and that easy path that makes following Christ, let's be honest, not that hard. If the life you're living for Christ right now isn't in some way challenging for you, you're on an easy path. Just look around. If, you, if God's not radically calling out sin in your life and you're submitting to him, if you're not laying your life on the table and say, I will go anywhere and do anything you want me to do, if you're not stepping out, but it's an easy path. It's an easy path. And that's will ultimately lead in destruction, which is hell. And then it says that there are two different groups of people. If you look back again there at verses 13 and 14 again. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Look at this. And those who enter by it are many.
0: And
2: then in verse 14, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Again, this idea that just everybody is a Christian because they call themselves a Christian is insanity and unbiblical. No, there are very few that actually go through the narrow gate and walk the hard path. There are very few. This is the consistent teaching through the Bible. This idea, many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew 13, Jesus gives the parable of throwing out the seed, the gospel. Four different kinds of people hear the gospel, but only one type of heart actually receives it and bears fruit for salvation. What about you? Many, many, many will walk down an easy road, wide open gate and end in destruction. And, and again, what I want you to understand is both of these gates are marked this way to heaven. Right? The, the big wide gate and the easy path does not say this way to hell. No one would do it. No. That big wide gate and that wide open easy path That says, oh, this way to heaven. Those crazy Bible thumping fundamentalists doing the hard way. Don't listen to them, a bunch of legalists. No. God is gracious and forgiving, and Jesus wants to save. And so there's a wide gate and an easy path. You just come on over to Team Jesus. And it ends in your destruction in hell. What about you? Are you in or are you out? It is easy to go to hell, guys. It's easy to go to hell. It's actually hard to go to heaven. Now, this does not mean that you work for your salvation. You don't. Salvation is that Jesus has done everything that needed to be done for you to be saved. He went to the cross for your sin. He died in your place. He was buried. He was victoriously risen again. And he is waiting to offer salvation. It's not that you work for salvation. You don't. But this idea that following Christ requires nothing of you is ridiculous. Jesus gave his life for you. And the only way you can be his follower is if you give your life now for him. The only way you can really follow him is if you say, I will drop off all my sin and all my past and all my baggage and all my fear and all my failures and all my presuppositions of what following Christ is going to look like, my views of sexuality, my views of what I can do in my life and my view of who I can marry. And I'm going to set all that aside because I don't care about any of those things. I just want to follow Jesus. And you fall on your face and you crawl through that narrow gate. And then you commits to say, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. I'm going to pursue him with everything that I have. I need him. And The Spirit of God empowers you. and gifts you. and places you in a body of other believers who encourages you and help you walk on the path. And we start to stumble and start to fall. We're there to pick one another up because we know there's life waiting for us. There's life waiting for us. So we keep chasing. We keep pursuing down the hard path. Today, are you in or are you out? Have you stumbled into a wide gate and an easy path? Or did you actually drop everything and by yourself crawl in through that narrow gate and now you are on a road of discipleship and Um. so more than likely there are probably people here today that are struggling with their salvation and you are not struggling with that salvation say 30 minutes ago and you're sitting here thinking oh no like I I thought I was a Christian until I started attending here and now I don't know anymore Can I give you a couple of encouragements? One is this. If you're here today and you're doubting your salvation, can I just start by saying good? Good. I'm glad you are. I know that's not good for a pastor to say. I know you're not used to pastor saying that sort of thing. I know we've gotten used to what I call sitcom preaching, which is there's no problem that can't be summed up in 26 minutes with a few laughs. But the fact is, that's not salvation. It's not nice and neat and easy sometimes. Sometimes it's something you've got to really wrestle with. And so if you're here today and you're wrestling with your salvation, here's what I want you to do. One, here's the thing that I don't want you to do, okay? I don't want you to sit here right now and quickly mutter another sinner's prayer. Oh, no, I think I might be lost. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sins, Amen. You know why I don't want you to do that? Because you've already done it 472 times. And if that was the answer, you wouldn't be struggling with what you're struggling with right now. It clearly doesn't work, so don't do it. Second is this. Don't listen to the people around you who are going to tell you you have no need to doubt. Don't do it. Kids, you're going to go to lunch today. And you're going to tell your parents, I think I'm struggling with my salvation now. And your parents might look at you and say, don't, that's ridiculous. I was there when you got baptized when you were nine. I know it was real. Don't you worry about that. Can I give you some advice? I know this is weird. Coming from a pastor again, don't listen to your parents. Because they might have entered through the wide gate also. Don't just shrug off the fact that you're doubting your salvation right now. Don't just shrug that off. Here's what I wanted you to do. My encouragement is this. You need the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things the Bible would say, but two of those things is this. The Gospel of John says one thing that the Holy Spirit does is it convicts you of your sin. It convicts you of your sin, convicts you of God's righteousness, convicts you of the judgment that's coming, and the fact that you need to flee from that judgment that's coming. So one thing the Holy Spirit does is convict you of the fact that you're not actually a Christian. The second thing the Bible says the Holy Spirit does is He convinces you, testifies in your heart that you are a Christian, that you are adopted as a child of God, that you are sealed up with Him, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts you that you're not or convinces you that you are my encouragement for you is this you need to take time today and ask the Holy Spirit to do the work in your life you don't need a pastor to deem you as saved you don't need your parents to do that you don't need your friends to encourage you no that's not true you are you need the Holy Spirit alone as you dive into the scriptures and you see what the Bible says a Christian is what does the Holy Spirit do to your heart the Holy Spirit convict you that that's not you that's not you it doesn't matter what prayer you prayed or what thing you did or how many times you got wet or what that's not you or the Holy Spirit conversely is going to convince you and testify in your heart that is you maybe you're struggling with something right now maybe you're going through a tough season maybe yes but this is you You're a child of God. Let the Holy Spirit do this. And if today the Spirit of God has brought conviction to you that you're not actually a believer, here's what I want you to do. If today you say, you know what? I see, I entered through a wide gate and I've been walking an easy road and that is not leading to salvation. I'm making a U-turn, I'm coming back and I'm going through the narrow gate. Today I want to encourage you to do that do that a phenomenal verse that's just been completely ripped out of context and neutered of all power is Hebrews, uh, uh, Romans 10 9 Romans 10 9 says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved now we've taken that verse and we turn turned it into the sinner's prayer verse just say it do you believe that Jesus died and rose again yeah then you say, Jesus, I believe that, and come into my heart. Boom. Romans ten 9, You're in. Problem with that is, again, that's not what that verse is talking about. Again, think about context. So the Apostle Paul is writing to Romans in Rome under Caesar. Caesar is Lord. Caesar is descended from the gods. Saying anyone is Lord other than Caesar is a death sentence. Saying that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead is saying that Jesus is God, and that means you're not going to worship these Roman gods. Saying this in this context Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, Jesus was raised from the dead, and I'm giving my life for Jesus that was a death sentence. This was not a simple, muttered prayer. This is laying your life on the altar and saying, if I live, I live for Jesus, and if I die, I die for Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Boy, that's really different than raise your hand, isn't it? Boy, that is super different than raise your hand and repeat after me. If you're ready today to enter through the narrow gates, the narrow gates, It leads to a hard path of discipleship, but that hard path of discipleship, you know, is the only way that's going to bring you life. Aren't you willing to do hard things if you know there's a reward on the other side? There's something good waiting on me. It's not going to end in nothing. It's going to end with blessing. It's going to end with life. It's going to end with God himself. That's what makes crawling that path worth it. Because this is the only way I'm going to really get God. That's your desire today. Confess Jesus, Lord. Admit that you know Jesus died in your place for your sin and rose again. That you are a sinner and that God's wrath is on you. But you are turning away from everything in this world. You just want to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. And to be honest, I really struggled with how to end this service. Um, I didn't want to do all the stereotypical things that I just got through making fun of for 30 minutes. So I didn't know what to do. So I'm just going to do this. I'm going to give you some time. I don't want you to be with the Lord. And maybe you need to pray today. Lord, I don't know if I'm saved or not. The truth is, I've got no idea right now. My head is spinning and I don't know. Holy Spirit, I need you to show me in your word. Convict me that I am not or show me that I am. I need you. Examine yourself. to See that you're in the faith. Test And if today you know clearly that you're not, I want to encourage you today. Crawl through that narrow gate right here, right now. Jesus, I'm yours. I need you. I lay everything aside. I just follow you. I need you. Take just some time right now. You pray. Lord, I I thank you for hard verses. I thank you for verses that cause us to stop and really question and think. I thank you for verses that may even make us mad. I thank you for verses that are really, really hard for me to preach because I'm just forced to trust on you. I pray, Lord, as we take the next few weeks and we really dive in and ask this question, are we in or are we out? pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what is only possible for you. I pray, Lord, in this congregation that you would bring many people to faith in you. You would make many good church-going lost people genuine sons and daughters of God over the next month. I pray that you would do this. I pray for those who are followers of Christ but have been struggling. I pray, God, that they would be freshly renewed to stay on the hard path. Keep pursuing Jesus. Lord, do this. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're so good. You're worth it. You are that treasure hidden in the field. I pray that we would sell everything so we can just get you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Real quick, guys, before we leave, um, we have a mission team from our church heading to Hungary this week. Uh, so I want to take just a quick second and pray over them before they go. Um, we had a couple in the, in the, on the team that were in the first service. Um, if, if I call your name and you're in the room right now, just stand up real quick. I'm not going to make you come up front or anything. So uh, Tina Giambra, Darius Glass, Kay Nelson, Laura Krupsik, Laura Bailey, Ashley Honeycutt, Gail Folsom, we got a few in the room, awesome, thank you, thank you, very good, thank you ladies, y'all can have a seat, Darius, thank you, so this is a group that's going, we got several others that are going as well, we're going to take some time, pray for them this week as they travel, Uh, pray for them uh, on their trip, that God will be glorified, that much fruit would come from their labors, and uh, that it would just be a wonderful uh, experience for them, so let's take just a minute and pray for them, okay, Lord, just thank you for this team. Thank you, God, for their willingness to go. Thank you for their willingness to leave behind things that are important right here and to trust you with that and to move forward in you. I pray, God, that you would allow them. Obviously, Lord, we pray for their safety as they travel, but, but, Lord, bigger than that, we pray, Lord, that they would be fruitful in their work, that they would see you glorified, that souls would be saved. believers will be encouraged and that your kingdom will be advanced thank you jesus we love you we pray this in your name amen god bless you guys i love you have a great week see you next sunday i searched the world
5: but it couldn't feel me man's empty and treasures that never enough, you came along,
0: you came along, put me back together, now every desire is now satisfied.